0: Welcome to On The Couch with Cannings. I'm Amy Peake, Director at Cannings, and I'll be hosting today's podcast. With the 2022 financial year behind us, ASX-listed companies are busy preparing their results and thinking about what investors may be focused on. But have they considered another important stakeholder? The media. Today we'll be talking to special guest Tom Richardson, markets reporter at the Australian Financial Review, about what the media will be focusing on this results season. Welcome, Tom. Thanks, Amy.
1: Nice to be here.
0: Tom has nearly a decade's experience reporting on financial markets, both at the Motley Fool and now at the AFR. So, Tom, COVID has had a significant impact on company results over the last four reporting seasons. However, with a new government, a war in the Ukraine, and interest rates on the rise, this season is likely to be very different. So from a media perspective, is there anything specific you'll be focused on with this year's company results?
1: Yeah, I guess you're right. It's a fast-moving macro environment at the moment. Um, I guess traditionally, though, journalists focus on how a company reports versus uh, profit expectations, so the analyst expectations, that kind of makes for a good headline. So. We we'll tend to focus on this idea: what we you know was the profit result a beat or was it a miss? On what the market expected is that would we'll tend to sort of guide how the share price performance when the market opens and gives a, a good good overview of, of how well the company did, I guess. And journalists obviously we should also look at the bottom line, i.e. the the, the profit So uh, We we'll look at statutory net profit or loss, and then also companies you know tend to pro- report adjusted profit or loss and cash flow statements. So that's that's the main things we'd look at. Um, And it's also no secret that uh, management teams, they like to put the best spin on the results. And the other thing, obviously, we always look at is guidance or commentary, the outlook. And that's because that tends to give people a good read on how the company is reporting at the time rather than sort of backward looking because the results tend to be the past six months, past 12 months. So any kind of guidance or commentary on how the company is traveling is really important. makes for a good headline. And it gives a good pulse check, I guess, on, on the current health of the company and perhaps the broader economy as well, which people are obviously really interested in, like share prices are forward looking, I guess, and people would tend to extrapolate into the future for you know how the share price will perform in terms of the company's guidance.
0: Mm. Just on guidance, Tom, you're expecting that companies still will be providing actual guidance rather than just commentary about outlooks?
1: It's a good question because we've got the, the war in Ukraine, we've got inflation, we've got the rate tides are uh, sort of uh, rising. So it would be fair enough, I think, if a management teams have, "Look, and then at COVID as well, that we really are finding it hard to give guidance because and does anybody know how the, the macro is going to go in the next six months? We could have more lockdowns, I guess. We could have oil prices going higher. We could have the US dollar going higher. So I think it is it is fair to accept um, this idea that it might be prudent for, for a chief executive or for a management who to say, look, it's actually just too hard for us to give guidance at the moment because of, of the volatile macro. And that maybe makes more sense to do that rather than give guidance, which you're not you're not really certain on because if, if you do that and you can't meet the guidance, then, you know, you could end up getting tiller read when it's perhaps it's, it's not really your fault.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, Tom, obviously the reporting season is a really busy time for journalists and fund managers and companies alike, but with so many mm. companies reporting on the same day, how do you prepare for such a busy month as a journalist?
1: It's just a case of planning ahead. So we try and cover as many companies as I can. I, I try and cover as many as many companies as I can. I mean, we've got the sales like broker coverage to look at in terms of reporting dates. Most companies will give reporting dates in advance. We can use the Bloomberg Terminal uh, Morningstar. I mean, typically, myself, I'd try and line up a conversation with a chief executive in, in advance. It's, it's where I can I dial into an earnings call. You know, that's open to the public and I can listen to the chief executive talk about the company themselves and you know, take any highlights from that. And then, you know, you can through the presentation, the financial accounts. And then, mm. you know, come 10 a.m. when the market opens, that's when the, I guess, when the market delivers its verdict. So for companies share prices, you know, rockets higher or sinks lower, then obviously that's going to make news, make headlines as well. So, it's just a combination of all of those things, I think.
0: Lots of um, preparation time ahead of reporting. Mm. And and, and are there any particular themes that you're expecting to see during this reporting season that we may have not seen previously?
1: I think uh, cost inflation is going to be a big thing to watch, right? Because we all know um, everything seems to be going up in price, right? You get the supermarket cucumbers like $9 or this kind of thing. So that's going to be interesting, right? Labor costs as well are going to be interesting. How are companies demand managing this kind of, you know, labor, tight labor markets, people wanting pay rises, um, energy costs, so oil prices going up, all those in- input costs going up. That affects a lot of companies as well. How are they managing that? And then supply chain costs as well. Like So you hear about freight costs doubling and that kind of thing. So how is this cost inflation environment, how is that going to, impact companies' margins. You could see sales going up, but if um, costs are going up, faster and sales, then it's going to hurt profits. So there's definitely going to be a lot of focus on margins and how companies are managing their margins in terms of this sort of inflationary environment that we've got. Do you think that mm. the
0: pet pandemic will still feature as a you know, key impact on companies' this financial results?
1: Yeah, I think it's inevitable. I mean, it's, it's, it's impossible to get away with, right? There's people talking about you know, this new wave of COVID in Australia this winter now, people talking about going back to working from home, people talking about mask mandates. So I think it's inevitable that management teams are going to have to address it and that it's going to, you know, for a long time, it's going to hurt their businesses, it's going to hurt their sales. So, yeah, it's still very much in the picture, unfortunately, and yeah. if management seems, you know, um, blame sort of, you know, underperformance on COVID, then that's going to be fair enough, I guess, because just the way of the world at the moment.
0: Yeah, who would have thought that two and a half years on it still still featuring as mm, one of the key mm. impacts. So when it comes mm. to reporting season, Tom, what are some of your bugbears, I guess, as a journalist, when you read financial information from a company?
1: Yeah, I would say the main bugbear is when companies make adjustments to their mm-hmm. profit and loss statements, um, which makes it hard to make sense of the true numbers. So, for example, you might see an you know, adjusted profit up 60% or 70%. So that might be the headline on on, on the statements, but then the actual profit, the statutory profit is only up 10%. So you might think, well, how come one's up 60% and one's up 10%? And obviously you're going to have to report the 10% numbers. That's the true number, the statutory number, but then you've got to work out, well, what are these adjustments being made? And then it can be, it get quite complex and whether it's fair to back out those adjustments. So I'd say that that's one bug there. It probably makes more sense to... Um, for a company to report the statutory number up higher and then the adjusted number down below, if that's what they want to do, but I understand it's kind of standard practice to sort of adjust your numbers to, to put the best spin on them. Again, if like you're they're comparing um, results to the prior year period, it's, it's important as well to compare apples with apples, so you know people can understand that's a true picture. Whereas if it looks like you know companies are comparing what. Uh, one set of results to, to, to a different, um, different set of outcomes over two, two half, then it, it, it makes it harder for journalists to, to um, you know, provide a, a clear picture to readers.
0: Yeah, consistency is definitely key in that regard. And just one last question, Tom: for companies that are putting together their their statements and, and financial material at the moment, do you have any advice uh, from a media perspective that you could share?
1: My main message would be try to keep as clear, concise simple as possible, clean accounts, less adjustments, Um, and if you can explain sort of complex situations or in sort of easy-to-understand ways, then that really helps for for journalists and they definitely appreciate it. And and, um, it it makes it easier to report, I guess, and it's the same if you want to provide commentary on a company or analysis on a company. Um, The easier it is to sort of interpret results and the less adjustments that are made then the the easier it is to provide, you know, good commentary.
0: Yeah, great. Absolutely, Tom. Well, thank you for some fantastic insights today, particularly around, uh, you know, providing context and and being consistent with with financial results. Uh, And thanks for joining us on on the couch.
1: Thanks very much. I have really enjoyed it.